Welcome to Are We There Yet? Transport into the Future. This is a series of programs that look at current issues and developments and what they mean for the transport we need, we want and what we can supply in the future. These programs are written and presented by David Brown. We continue a series of interviews that were prompted by the New South Wales Future of Transport Forum. Technology is seen as having a huge impact on serving our future needs. But this is not just the hardware of autonomous cars, for example. Technology will add to the ways we can understand people's needs as much as how much we might serve those needs. A few weeks ago, we spoke to Liz Ampt about how, in the 80s, she established an ongoing survey in New South Wales that identified a wide range of personal transport activities and how she became an expert, particularly in designing these types of surveys. The accuracy of the information is obviously critical, and this is where technology is also adding value. Dr Stephen Greaves is a Professor in Transport Management at Sydney University Business School and Director of the Business School's Doctoral Studies Program. Stephen's current research is focused around the health, environment and safety impacts of transport, active travel including cycling and innovative travel data collection methods using the latest technologies. Stephen did some work on apps that allow us to record information as quickly and as easily as possible. I asked Stephen about the improvements that new technologies have made in collecting personal data. The traditional way is to rely on people to either write stuff down or play it back to you when you call them up, you know, and you're asking someone to remember what they did yesterday or the day before, and people can't generally remember what they did an hour ago. It's... um, People have notoriously bad memories when it comes to travel, and they particularly have bad memories of places they don't go very often. So people generally can remember, you know, where they work and where the kid goes to school and where they live. But beyond that, people are are not able to provide information with the level of accuracy that we need for for policy and decision-making. And so the apps, the the real power is the um, functionality of, phones with the with the GPS device that automatically collects where you're going and then you can either ask people well what were you doing we you know we can see from the GPS you were here do you mind telling us what you were doing or it can be taken even further than that and we we're, we're almost at the point where we can intelligently guess what people were doing and, and so it it's removing the need to rely on people's memory That would lead to much more comprehensive. We don't just say a person went from here. They could also enter in why they were doing it or we could even start to determine why. That's sort of the more interesting, well, why were you going there? And in the past, I suppose we've, we've spent a lot of time trying to get what people were doing and how they got somewhere and at what time and, and all that can now be automated. So we can actually start to understand you know why did you have to why did you go there at that time you know what why did you have to travel during the peak to go to the grocery store why didn't you go you know an hour later when there was half the traffic on the road it's those sorts of questions that you can you can start to pry a bit more and that directly leads to behavior change that's right not just telling people they must try and be more environmentally sensitive, but trying to help them understand what they're doing. Just something as simple as playing back 
to a person what they did yesterday often can lead to people going, I didn't actually realize I did that. It gives them an opportunity to, 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 to sort of see, well, could I have planned things a little bit better? Or you know, for a lot of people, they can't. But for, for most of us, there is some discretion in what we do. You're not trying to change everything. It brings us better results as well as a better thing for the community. The other thing is, of course, you can get wonderfully up-to-date information. I think of what might happen when there's been a breakdown, a catastrophe or something that is a disruption. The well-cited figure of 50% of congestion is recurring and 50% is due to to one-off things, an accident, um, an oil spill or something like that. It's those one-off events. And, and actually, that, a lot of that intelligence has now been built into to, you know, free apps like uh, Google Maps. That gives you real-time um, congestion. It, it allows for better trip planning, definitely. The issue, though, is you've got to make sure you, you understand what the data is and that you're getting it right. I saw a survey by TomTom which said it had huge amounts of data, but I'm not necessarily sure that we clearly understand who is collecting that data and what does it fully represent everybody or, or who does it represent? With the TomTom ones, I think what they do is, I don't know anyone who uses, to be honest, everyone uses free um, the free ones now. I guess for people that did use TomTom and paid for it, you know, your data is going to a server somewhere and then that's being played back to you as a, as a, a navigation tool. But that data is then being combined with data from... You know, if you've got a thousand people around Sydney dri- driving around with this thing, that then becomes quite a useful way of giving an idea of traffic flow because you're, you're just looking at the speed, basically. But it needs to have a good academic rigour to make sure we know exactly what it's measuring, who it's measuring, and what that might mean. Yes, of course. I mean, you're measuring. I mean, I know some of them have used uh, they've used taxis, for example, and there's obvious advantages to doing that that most of them have got a gps anyway they're all on the same system and they're in traffic a lot and whereas if you rely on just uh, joe blow with his tom tom he's only on the road usually between an hour and an hour and a half a day so taxis are quite a useful one the other great thing about that is it might get people more involved there's been some research about getting people to be more active traveling walking and cycling and by collecting the data they become much more involved in it a bit like your fitbit on your on your wrist yes but also that maybe doing it as a community where a local community puts uh, aggregates its information and says as a community we've walked 10,000 kilometers more than we ever had over the last year yeah, no, no, I mean, that's an interesting idea. And I mean, they've used this idea of, um, you know, these apps which you're, you're in a sort of a group and you're actually almost competing with other people in that group, you know, through Facebook and things you can share it. And then it will give you a tracker of how you're going, not just against yourself, but against your peers. What you're talking about is a more, I guess, flipping it around a bit is more around where everyone kind of pulling together competition or pulling together i you know i don't really care as long yeah. as it's giving people an incentive and involvement to move in a more effective area yeah no no it's a good it's a good idea i mean that's that's another use of an app the thing about it is it can give longitudinal studies as well doesn't it how people change over time well that's what we did in that both the papers i sent to you they, they were both set up to track people over a period of time following some change in the system. The first study was the motorist one where we 
the intervention was a pricing mechanism and to see whether they would speed less and do other other ba- bad things on the road less if we attached a, num- a, a dollar amount to it. And then the second one, which is the one we just finished on the cycling, was we tracked people over about two or three years following some of you know, the City of Sydney cycleway program that's gone in to see whether it changed their, their overall travel and whether it changed cycling. You're not just measuring the number of cyclists on the lane. You're actually looking at the constructive interaction and, and maybe learning lessons from that. Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. The thing I, I really like about that is this ability to understand what will change. Can I raise that point? You said you gave people an idea of the cost. Did you artificially say if it was going to cost you $5 to do this trip, what would you do? Is that the sort of thing you did? No, what we did there was we had, I think there's hundred, about 150 motorists. They had a, one of these GPS devices in their car and we were able to collect you know, all the usual trip information where they went and also the time and also the speed they were going and we then uh, had a pricing mechanism that we had developed which basically incentivized them to drive less and to speed less and to drive less at night so you basically paid more if you if you chose to speed and that was very effective in uh, in changing behavior well, changing the behaviors we wanted to mainly you change speeding behavior quite dramatically. You're flipping it around. Rather than attaching a penalty for speeding and, and a slap on the wrist, you actually incentivize people not to speed. Do you see what I mean? It changes the psychology of it. And we got about uh, three quarters of people reduce their speeding in the, uh, in, the, in the after. I think that is stunning because what new technology does is not just say, oh, we will toll people instead of handing over the money, it'll be an overhead containery thing that will measure, you know, catch it automatically. It's much more about all the options we could do, charge them in the peak and so on. Yes, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, it gives us much more flexibility. The whole idea of also perhaps charging for speeding in particular situations like local streets. Yeah, and I mean, the, the big one we looked at was school zones. We wrote a paper on that as well, on the, the speeding. Now, the, the, the intervention, it didn't differentiate by whether you were in a school zone or not. We just use that as an example of an area where you particularly want to target speeding and the you know, residential zones obviously but the school zone was it was a good one at the time quite political and uh, I think that there is definite you know you can that's the beauty of the GPS or the location is you can focus it anywhere you want really and ultimately we might be able to focus our intervention to people where we charge them any way we like your expression it's going yeah. to be much more than just the usual perception of what a toll might be that's correct yeah yeah the only caveat, it was interesting, when we, when we developed the pricing mechanism for that study, you know, we looked at all sorts of different ways. We did sort of, you know, folk, informal focus groups on charging by different areas. You have to appreciate people are, there's actually a limit on what people can really understand, you know, in, in that situation. You have to keep it simple, but picking the things you think are most important. I mean, you, there's a million and one things you could charge people for, but we actually ended up with a quite a simple regime because it was just anything beyond that was just too complex for people to get their heads around. So just focusing on the, the kilometres, basically, and, and speeding, you know, that was people can kind of get their head around that. 
yeah, I'm going too fast. <laughs> Even though there were all these intricacies we could have done, we, we had to go with a simple one for real people. Oh, yes, I don't want to make it into a, a huge equation. <laughs> Yeah. Although ultimately, you know, maybe even the, the computer will do that for you. But the other thing is that perhaps it could give you feedback as you're doing the trip, not not swamping you, but, oh, by the way, you're speeding, and do you know that will cost you? Yeah. Well, the, the feedback we gave them, they had to go through a, you know, it played it back through the website that they went. To. You've got to keep in mind this was five or six years ago. You know, the technology has, has advanced considerably, but... At the time, we had to be able to take that data, process it, and then, of course, definitely make sure they were speeding. You know, you didn't want to play back information to people that say, hey, you're speeding, and they weren't. So that all had to happen offline, and then it was played back to them. The the processing was done overnight, and then it would be played back to them the next day. So they would go on the website the next day and see where they were speeding. If I was to do that study now, things have advanced to where you can do it in real time. And that's much more effective. Um, but, you know, that, I say we did that six years ago, that, but that's what I do now. I think that has application even perhaps in teaching people to drive. That's a whole new area. Uh, most definitely. Dr Stephen Greaves, who is a professor in transport management at Sydney University Business School and the director of the Business School's Doctoral Studies Programme. Are we there yet? Transport into the Future is produced by Driven Media. Driven Media specialise in communicating technical and scientific information to professionals and the public and also facilitates planning and behaviour change in groups and organisations. You can send comments or suggestions to feedback at drivenmedia.com.au. All the participants have agreed to the recording and distributing of their comments.